I'm Stephen Gregory Smith. And I'm Matt Connor. Places, everyone. It's time for The Connery Smith Show. Well, why were you different? I was like, The Connery Smith Show. We're trying to keep our voices down. Yes. Because, yeah, because we're in the backyard. We're, so I didn't want to be like, The Connery Smith Show. Okay, well, you can go a little louder than that. So we're in the backyard. Our craft isn't so much a craft today. We, we planted flowers and kind of are trying to get the backyard uh, up and ready for company. It, look, it looks amazing. It looks professional. It's getting there. We planted a whole bunch of stuff today. We don't know what they're called, but there's a purple thing. And there's an the orange, orange thing. thing and, and there's a couple yellow things. There's some purple things over there. We got this really... Talk about that basket. Uh, this is some kind of black petunia with like yellow edges. Beautiful. Um... And I, it's my favorite thing. I just haven't found the right spot for it yet. So we'll more on that later. But yeah, Matt did a really good job planting all this stuff. I wish you could see it. Um, but that was basically our day. And we went to the gym again and feel like, my goodness, it's, it's, I haven't had this much physical activity in over a year. Have you? Oh my God. There's some kind of animal screamed over there. All right. So next joining us is... Dan Cooney, who was the original Edgar Allan Poe in Matt's Nevermore at Signature Theater. Um, so we'll just take a quick break, then we'll be back with Dan. All right, we'll be right back. Hello. There we are. Can you hear me? I can, yes. How you doing, Stephen? I'm good. There's somebody else here you might know. Matt. Hello, Dan. <laughs> What's going on? This is not going to be a serious podcast, is it? <laughs> oh, gosh, I hope not. I just poured a bourbon for Derby Day. Oh, God. oh yay. Let's see. They, they, some horse already ran, already won, right? Oh, gosh, I don't pay attention to all that. I just have a bourbon. <laughs> right, right, right. With a funny hat on. Am I allowed to drink during your show? I I think so. I think it's encouraged to get through it. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, Arlington County's not a dry county, is it? No, no. God, no. <laughs> Dan, um, where, are you, where are you calling from? Or where are you? I, uh, in my home in Dexter, Michigan, right outside of Ann Arbor, right outside of U of M. Territory. Is that is that where you went to to school? I didn't. You know, I, I didn't. I skipped the whole undergrad uh, thing. Moved to New York when I was nineteen, and then when I was twenty, and I went back to grad school. So I went to acting school, um, but I, I missed the whole undergrad experience and just jumped in and started kicking around as an actor. Um, but when I was about twenty eight, I realized I didn't know how to act, so I should probably go do something. So I. I auditioned for the Yale School of Drama, as a matter of fact, and then was accepted and had an incredible time there and hopefully learned a little bit about acting. <laughs> is, is that true? Did you really, were you really self-aware that maybe you should be a better actor? Oh, absolutely. I, um, and you know, and I, I, it was interesting because before a drama school, I was a singer, right? You know, um, 
you know, we always put ourselves in little boxes and maybe the industry does that as well. But uh, I certainly did. And I listened to people say, oh, you know, he's, he's more of a singer, <laughs> right? Which, you know, right. maybe true, maybe not. I didn't feel I was uh, all that great of a, a singer either. Just musically, I uh, wish I had had more skill, more training. But yes, I definitely was like, hey, I'll go to Yale and then I'll know how to, uh, I'll learn how to act and then everything will change. <laughs> and did uh, it? I, I learned a ton. I had a wonderful time, but you know, uh, the, ch the change was slow over time. And, and, and then did you feel like something happened? Like did, did were the uh, fruits of your labors, did they pay off? You know, uh, yes and no. I, I would say a lot of that, you know, that technique, all of that, who am I, where am I, what am I doing? All that stuff that we chat about. Um, you know, I think it works for some, I think it can be rather confusing, but I, I think where I was super fortunate to have some space and some time was really just up on the stage. You know, one of, one of the excellent things about that program for, for some, right. Um, I, I think I did about 30 plays in three years. So, um, yeah, I feel like I learned something there for sure. You know, it's nearly impossible to, to get up time and time again and not um, self-assess and get some sense of how am I doing? What am I doing? How am I doing what I'm doing? And, you know, so I feel like I learned a ton just kind of being up, you know, being up on the ice, so to speak. Right. Yeah. Um, it's almost like getting in, in, a, in the kitchen and just cooking and keep yeah. cooking and stop looking at recipes. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And I, you know, I, I, I throw around a little, you know, Meisner speak and Stanislavski and authentic self and all that kind of good stuff. And I think it has its place. But um, you all know that at some point you just have to, like, toss all that aside, jump out and have a good time and kind of kind of meet you at the end of the play mentality. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like you want to you want to master all the technique you can, but you don't want to let it show. Exactly. Uh yeah, you don't want to work too hard. <laughs> exactly. And, yes, and they say, you know, he or she or they are the uh, harding, hardest working person in showbiz. It's not exactly a compliment. No. <laughs> well, and none of that training get matters worth a damn when when like the ear falls off of Milky White in the middle of a show, you know. <laughs> Did that happen? <laughs> yes, it happened. Dan and I were the only ones on stage. You and Dan did a show together? Yes. What we show did. was it? You were in it too, Into the Woods. I blocked that out with therapy. Oh. <laughs> That's the show I accidentally hit Donna Migliaccio on the head, and my heart sunk down into my butt because I thought, oh my God, I just hit Donna Migliaccio on the head with that staff. I thought for sure I was going to go to like Facebook prison. Oh my gosh, that's hilarious, <laughs> Matt. I feel you on that though. I, I I think you're kidding, right? But I, when I was thinking about this call, I was thinking, oh my gosh, I hope they don't ask me, you know, about names or dates because I don't remember. <laughs> oh no, we don't even we don't we, we don't either. No, we got rid of all the posters. <laughs> oh, oh, did you? Oh, oh no, we got. But Dan, <laughs> do you remember? Now you are married to Jessica Grove. Yes, I am. Now we'll get to maybe where, how, if you guys met in a show or whatever, maybe later. But uh, I guess I can tell the story. Jessica came to see me in Into the Woods. 
And yes. Then, <laughs> and she was playing, I believe, in Madison Square Garden, uh, The Wizard of Oz. She was Dorothy. And yeah, she, was, she yeah. brought with her as a companion and friend, Eartha Kitt. That's right. Yes. Oh, my gosh. I, I, I'm remembering that now. Yeah. So a crazy story. Okay. I'm never on the, the short list of invitations of important people to be at anything. But there was reservations for a, a certain amount of people. Uh, maybe, maybe Jessica's mom. Yes, yes. Jessica, Ursa, yes. you, and me. It was just five of us. Mm-hmm. But Eric Schaefer was supposed to go, and he, my nickname at the time was Doris. I guess it still is. And he said, Doris, you have to go to a dinner or lunch or whatever with Ursa. Uh, There's like reservations for five. There can't be an empty seat. And I was like, I can't go to that. I was thinking, <laughs> anyways, we went and we had. What I remember from not ever being in the presence of Eartha Kitt was this amazing little historical dinner of us talking about, I mean, I can quote things from that dinner. Oh, wow. Oh, please do. Was that, was that like the Carlisle at the end of the street? There? It was at the Carlisle. Yeah. I did not talk for the longest time during the dinner because I was... I wasn't sure how to act, so I acted just sort of like I was an, an eater. <laughs> and so it's easy to act like an eater at the Carlisle, though. It's I good saw, food. I acted like I was a food critic. Oh, that is so funny. So the waiter came up. The waiter came up and he said, "What, what do you want? Like a glass of wine?" And Eartha said, "Do you have anything? Do you have anything from California?" <laughs> and he said, "Yes, ma'am. We have California." She said, "Bring me anything but California." Oh my gosh, that's hilarious. And I hilarious. thought, oh my gosh, what is that about? And then they brought a little pat of butter on a dish for her, for her bread. And she said, uh, excuse me, waiter, is this soap from the Hilton? <laughs> <laughs> and then oh my gosh. at one point she looked at me because I wasn't speaking. Remember, I was acting like I was a food critic for the Washington Post. And she said, she said, you, what is your name? And I said, uh, Matt. And she said, Matt what? I want to remember it. And I said, Matt Connor. And she said, were you the steward? And I said, yes. And then she looked at you, Dan, and said, was there a steward on Broadway? And you said, yep. And she said, funny, I didn't remember him. <laughs> <laughs> anyways, I remember that. But anyways, back to the... The Milky White story. The, the ear fell off, Stephen. What did you and Dan do? Oh God, this is not stupid show stories. I it's it, I can't even remember other than Dan and I were fighting over Milky White in that scene where Milky White dies, and we're doing a tug of war, and I think we each had an ear, and much like a, a wishbone, I broke off the ear from so, Milky White. So Dan gets to make the wish. Well, I held it. My next line was something like. You killed Milky White or something like that. And so I just held the ear up because everyone was laughing in the theater. And you, you can't just act like nothing happened. You have to address the reality of, of what it is. So I held the ear up and presented it to you, Dan, and said, you killed Milky White. <laughs> Dan, do you remember this? I do. I do. Yes. yes. Do you think this is why the show did not transfer? <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Hey, Dan, let's talk about let's talk about your work. Are you still working with the Encore? 
I am. I am. Yes, we um, moved here specifically for that. I was uh, head of musical theater at Roosevelt University in Chicago for three years. So we to Chicago. I enjoyed it. I uh, adored the students. Uh, I didn't love academia. So Jessica and I made uh, a pros and cons list and uh, everything pointed to move to Michigan get out of the garage, you know, not, not unlike signature. I've, I've, as you know, I've paid a paid very close attention to all of that and uh, kind of used it as a model. So we had a little garage, like you all had a little garage and then we just bought a bigger space and uh, we're, we're moving into a 20,000 square foot. It's the original like uh, school in town or the original school in town. And um, yeah, we're moving out of uh, 6,800 square feet into 20,000 square feet. And um, it's going to be a- a- incredible. It's just going to support the work and the, and the people and the community and give, it, give us this wonderful gathering place and place to create. So we're, we're incredibly excited and we have a ton of support from the community and an amazing amount of enthusiasm and and even a couple bucks. You know, it's, it's a pretty small project compared to some i was just reading today that steppenwolf 74 million dollar project i was like oh my gosh we're trying to raise 2.5 million you know um is steppenwolf trying to fly that helicopter on mars (laughs) yes is there is, is there a way that if anyone's listening to this that they can find the website and help to contribute anything yeah, it's just the encore uh, theater.org. It's in Dexter, Dexter, Michigan. And well, thanks. Thank you for mentioning that. We're, you know, we're about 1.5 million into a $2.5 million thing. So we're keeping it, you know, pretty modest. It's, it's pretty chill. And I feel very confident we will get there and we'll have a, a lovely little, a lovely little space. It'll be, we're, we'll be going from 122 seats to 250 seats. So it's all, Again, fairly modest, but you know, for us, it's uh, it's a pretty big deal. It's uh, it's a lot. So I've been all through the pandemic uh, building out a new space. So it's I've been very very grateful to have you know something to do, and because um, obviously we like everybody else, we stopped producing shows. And I wasn't a big fan of all the online stuff. I, I was a fan of what I was watching. I wasn't a fan of trying to figure out how to be a TV director overnight. You know, right. Yeah, we everyone was kind of thrown into this same sort of level. Like it was like a a project runway situation <laughs> of like, okay, you're all locked in the house. There's three boxes of wine, and you've got to put on a show. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, some people have done uh, beautiful, beautiful, powerful things, and we we did a, a holiday special. We did a bit, but you know, we were pretty small. Uh, um, support as well so i think when um people have millions of dollars to uh, defend so to speak or you know a million dollar annual giving campaign well then you have patrons there like look we gave you all some money last year what's what's going on you know you have to try but we we've um, done very little asking you know we haven't asked for a lot of money so we didn't have a lot of people too worried about getting their money's worth for their annual donation but of course, all of that is changing, moving into the new space. We're getting much more sophisticated in our asking um, for annual giving and with a capital campaign. It's called Our Next Stage. So, uh, yeah, it's it's fun. I'm learning a lot. You know, I'm 
I've just been skipping around acting my whole life, as you all know. So it's been fun to be in this space, you know, first as a head of a musical theater program and learning a bit more about uh, administrative duties. And now as an artistic director for, a, 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 you know, again, comparatively lovely little space here in Dexter. So I'm, I learn, I learn a lot every day about, uh, you know, now being on the other side of the table. It's been, and I'm still doing some TV stuff. I just did a Chicago med a couple of weeks ago. So I'll get a call now and then and I'll send a, a video in and, and go shoot a little TV show here or there. So it's, uh, yeah, it's been really, it's been really wonderful. We love our life. We love our house. We, our children are, are everything. And we get to around in the, yard with them and take them to ballet and karate and it's 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 neat just love it now when you when you do this tv stuff do you go back to new york uh chicago uh, med shoots out of chicago um you know i did this like uh, kevin can wait a few years back in new york so every once in a while someone will you know think hey where's that 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 cooney guy and I'll get a call from my New York agents, so I, I will pop in there once in a while. I just put something on tape for a TV show out of New York not too long ago. So, I'm, yeah, I'm still kind of dabbling. So it's um, I'm very grateful to have a moment or two here and there to to uh, fly into Chicago or New York and shoot something for a week or so. It's been, it's been a lot of fun. Dan, Dan, did you and Jessica meet in, the, in a theatrical setting? Well, kind of. You know, um, it was... Have you ever been to Marlowe? You had Michael Lanning on your show, right? Michael Lanning used to lead these hoop nannies at Marlowe on 46th Street and 9th Avenue. And we would show up. It was the, the Civil War cast and some other shows at that. We would sit in a circle and they would play guitars and we would sing, you know, these harmony tunes from the 70s most of the time, you know. What you gonna do? And everybody sing harmony. You know, it was so much fun. And you had these singer-songwriters in that Broadway show, because uh, that's what Frank was looking for. Uh, so we first met there. Um, and then years later, because she was doing Thoroughly Modern, Millie, um, at the year, and she was dating somebody else, and uh, as was I. And then years later, we were in Craig Cornelia's acting class. So, you know, technically, we started dating <laughs> when we uh, were reacquainted in acting class. And I had a Shakespearean monologue and uh, uh, Craig Cornelia had Jessica sit on my lap as I, um, you know, recited the, the speech to, to her. <laughs> and we started texting. That's right when uh, I think cell phones were a thing and started texting. We went out on a on a date, went out for some sushi and that and that was it. Um, yeah, we've we've been together ever since. And you personally have traveled, uh, done what, three or four uh, national tours? Yes. Yeah, I was on the road for about 10 years of my life. So how does that work? You, that's traveling through bus, taxi, uh, airplanes, uh, sit downs for maybe weekends, maybe two weeks. What is the, what is the touring experience like for those who've ne never been? Uh, for, you know, for like the a first national of Les Mis, I was fortunate enough to have that be my first experience or, or maybe not so fortunate because I thought it was all going to be, you know, three months in Boston, four months in Detroit, and you rent a, an apartment that's fully furnished and it's quite the life. Um, 
and then there's you know, so the first national tour will often play months at a time. I mean, certainly if you're in a in a major hit like a Hamilton or a Wicked, you could do an entire year, like right in Chicago, or they have actually a Chicago company. Um, and then there the, there are the bus and trucks, which I so I did one first national, which was pretty cozy and and luxurious, and then a bunch of bus and trucks that are your flying every monday and it's it's you know sometimes you are busing from city to city uh and those are a bit uh more challenging you know when i played uh, che guevara for a while and you know so there's no drinking no eating you know late at night you can't get reflux i'm just to get through the show eight times a week and then travel on monday is a whole thing right um and 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 again i'm well aware as a little Irish guy that 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 is inappropriate casting, but that was a long time ago. Um, and then, um, you know, like a fiddler on the roof playing Perchick was kind of awesome because I didn't have to be an incredible voice. I just had to kind of show up still breathing and I could get through the show. Right. So that that was a lot more fun to get out and see the Grand Canyon and, you know, get out and about much more and and really see the country. So it's a wide variety of experience depending on the show, the level of the show and what you're doing in the show, you know. When you're on tour and then you go on tour again and then again, do you get, do you start to pick favorites? Like, oh, I'm so glad we're going to uh, St. Louis. There's this place there I love to go eat or they're down by the water or whatever. I think so, yes. I think people all have favorite spots um, but, you know, it's mainly about the people. If you're in a, you know, that people say this about everything, right? But I think it's it's true. People say, hey, how was uh, the Yale School of Drama? I said, well, what was the best thing about it? It, it? It's always the people. And if it's a horrible experience, it's oftentimes the people, right? You, you have to take some ownership if, um, you know, you're part of the problem, of course. But, you know, uh, from tour to tour, what I remember most uh, is not the you know, the cool restaurant or, you know, Skyline Chili. I think that's Cincinnati. That was always a big one. Oh my God, we're going to Cincinnati. I'm going to get chili. I'm like, <laughs> okay, that's not doing much for me, but awesome. You know what I mean? But, right. but the people and people's enthusiasm about particular things are going to somebody's hometown. And yeah, so always just, just the lovely, you know, pile of thespians that we get to hang out with and they become your family, you know, so you get all of the, all of the drama and and all of the love and all of the great stuff and all of the not so great stuff you know have you two have the two of you toured much we've never toured we actually for some reason our journey just kind of became a, a very tight vortex in the washington dc area it's been hard for us to really even get to, to new york and see shows we've only seen shows in new york a couple of times because between um you know us gigging stuff I mean, hell, I played the piano at Signature Theater's Lobby for 10 years before every show. Wow. So I could never see Wicked. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> now, Dan, when you're on Broadway, does a, is there certain theaters that become favorites to perform in? Um, I, I didn't experience that so much. Um, it, it was 
took all I had just to keep up on the latest naming. You know, they keep changing names. Um, and there are very intimate houses and very large houses. Um, but again, I think it's, for me, it's, uh, it was the show and, and the people and, and the shows, as you know, <clears throat> kind of take on a personality and take on a, oh, that's the troubled kid in town or that's the, you know, Mamma Mia specifically was so much fun. You know, they, they say it always, it's a, it's a top down thing, right? And, and that leadership was so kind so present so lovely the stage managers were they were pros of course they didn't take any um bs from people but uh just super kind and, and i mean all of my experiences were that way frankly but mamma mia in particular was just such a lovely group of of people and um the leadership and the management was just so kind and full of you know ran so long at that point by the time i got there they had like traditions every year they had these things that they did and yeah so for me it was more about again you know experience from show to show uh but i didn't get too attached to any of the buildings or uh now that you say it i'm a little embarrassed i wish i had dug in a little bit more and learned a bit more about them you know i'm sure there's a lot of incredible history there well you know what do i know i just know that when i went and saw million dollar quartet it, it was the same theater where i had seen rent back in the rent days uh, at the Nederlander <clears throat> and I'm ushered backstage, of course, and I'm standing there at a dressing room and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, is this what this looks like backstage? Yeah, tiny, <laughs> this, right? <laughs> this is very little. Where are we going to put all the wagons? Mm-hmm. But Dan, um, I, I'm gonna, just want to talk about originating roles. I know that the two of us together, you originated a role um, while we worked together with the um, Nevermore. Um, have you originated any other roles? Um, you know, so interesting. I thought about that right before the call. And that that would have been the thing I would have pointed to for Nevermore because I, I've done I, I've done a lot of understudying on Broadway and on tour, and I've done a lot of, of taking over roles or doing a tour, you know, again, like a Che Guevara or a Perchick that they've been done hundreds of, if not thousands of times, but Nevermore was super special for me because um, that was one of the only times in 30 years of acting that I got to originate something certainly that large. I originated, you know, Dick, a nine to five on Broadway and in Bonnie and Clyde, I had some small roles, but I was ensemble really understudying some larger roles and then mamma mia i went into a role uh heathers i had some small roles originated them but poe was was the one that um you know somewhat horrified me because it was like oh my gosh you know as as you know from day to day there's new material we're cutting this song we're adding this song um and then you know finding that space within oneself to to say like i can i can do this and i i had never done it before i was so excited to go to work every day i knew it was it was an incredibly special project and i was so fortunate to be there and i and i just didn't want to suck you know i just didn't want to do a bad job for everybody including myself and i and i you know in many ways was the least experienced person in the room um as far as creating new work so that was uh, and still is just at the very top 
of my list of all-time favorite theatrical experiences um, because of all of you and just um, how it how it went down. Yeah. So no, that was pretty unique for me. Well, you, it was an interesting journey. I mean, uh, and now I love that uh, I hear so many of my uh, Nevermore friends from the past kind of haunt me because, you know, once you kind of put your fingerprint to that um, role, every time it's done again, it is dictated through the lens of sort of the people who were in the room the first, you know, the first time. Mm-hmm. Uh the, the high notes, the low notes, uh, some of the uh, changes in the lines that happened right there with the actors, you know, becomes, so Stephen has played Poe, right, Stephen? Correct. And um, I, you know, it was so interesting being in the room for that and, and still having this uh, experience where you're kind of like seeing all the spectrums, but the beginning of the spectrum begins with the original cast at Signature Theater. You can't hear silence without Dan and um, Jackie Jackie singing the, the duet. You, you can't hear Evening Star without Flo in the room. You know, it's just so fascinating. Um, and I was so lucky uh, because I think all of us, including myself, I mean, I was very confident that there was a show there, but as we all know, you go into a rehearsal room with a bunch of sort of <sighs> poetry and this, uh, journey this transcendental journey or whatever and you're sort of you know after week one thinking what the hell is this show um (laughs) and then somehow as it all kept growing and everyone growing together the the emotional 80 minute journey of that show was really powerful because for me it became a journey about uh, you know, life to death. That's really, it was, it was seen through Poe's eyes, but it was just really about, you know, death and life. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was really special. Stephen went to the, the drawer and pulled out Heathers. Well, I, Dan, I, this is, I love Heathers. I did not pay attention enough to know that that was you and Anthony Crivello singing my dead gay son. <laughs> yes. And yes. Now I'm going to listen to that like as soon as we're done. Um that I love that show. It it's so fun, isn't it? And the music is incredible. It's ridiculous and silly. Well, you know, just backing up one beat, um, you know, I had the pleasure of learning uh most of the tunes for for Nevermore. Uh, to Stephen's voice, because you all did a concept album of some sort. So I remember listening, getting uh, some kind of audio, and it was, I'm pretty sure it was Stephen on there. So uh, as you say, you know, it, it always kind of lives in the role, right? I'm sure I had like some tonation and some musical choices and note choices that I learned from, from Stephen's work, which, you know, I carried with me through the show as well. Am, am I remembering? you do some concept work correct yes yeah. yes yeah. so yeah you make a great point of uh, like in taking over roles there is a a bit of trying to get that other person out of your mouth right because you, you pick up some like I, I couldn't get rid of Mandy Patinkin you know ever doing Che of course right right so yeah it's kind of uh, but you know uh, I was very fortunate to have Stephen on those uh, concept uh, albums 
because you sounded so beautiful and made such strong choices it, it made it easier for me well you i know. i still send out dan cooney clips to everyone who does it all across the world oh that's amazing uh, illegally <laughs> illegally because we we never we we should do this before uh 2028 um we never got a chance to record any of that music in a professional way. And um, I think it was mainly because Jonathan Tunick, to get him and, and, and the orchestrations into the room, I think maybe raised a certain figure. Mm -hmm. And I remember being behind Jonathan Tunick twice at different um, parties. And I would say, Jonathan, who do I have to screw to get a Nevermore recording? <laughs> and he would turn it he would turn around to me and he'd say well i guess that would be me <laughs> get to work and, yeah, and i was like well that was the end of the discussion i'm like okay <laughs> that is so funny oh my gosh wouldn't that be amazing to to revisit that you know i will tell you uh forgive me for like hey another story about me because if i could go back honestly matt and and do that again i think i would do all i could to kind of set aside my own the fear and and thrill and enthusiasm and excitement and more fear to be more present in the room and, and think more about gosh i mean i was freaking out what you know what were you all going through i mean this was truly your baby and you had spent years putting it together and um i wish i had been more in that space to say like hey how's this going for you you know but i was fully in my you know oh gosh uh, you know, my mini meltdown of, of, of hoping I could pull this off. But, um, but I will say, um, well, where this was going is I think I, I received the greatest compliment of my life from as, as an actor from my mom who saw the show and said, you know, I'm worried about you, uh, honey. Like, how, how can you do that every night? And how can I, I just don't it just doesn't seem healthy, you know? And I, and I said, well, you know, it's actually a lot of fun, mom. I'm glad you had that experience, you know, cause it should feel pretty painful to watch somebody just make all these horrible choices and suffer and have such brilliance and so much to give and somebody who did give so much, but just an absolute tortured soul. Yeah. You're not supposed to walk away feeling so great about it. Um, but she said, also, she, I just wanted to go read everything the guy wrote after that. And I was just like, oh, well, that's that's quite a compliment, Mom. Thanks for coming. <laughs> wow, wow, wow. I remember, I remember the moment Amy McWilliams at the end of the show tried to keep your hand from writing. That was just so, so many brilliant choices in such a small amount of time from so many gifted people contributing, you know, this, to this, uh, this circus, if you will, you know, of this, uh, it was, it was, it was beyond a musical theater experience. It was, um, I don't know what you would call it. It wasn't performance art, but it almost was on the verge of being an opera. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, yeah. I, I, I can really resonate with that. It, it, it did, it felt like unlike any, any other piece. For sure. And, for and sure. just just like Poe to Poe with you. <laughs> I um, was Poe after you were Poe. I want to go Poe to Poe with you on this. <laughs> once once you hit dreams, isn't it the most exulting feeling that, to know that you are at the finish line, that you are like seconds 
from being like, oh my God, I ran that marathon. I can like put my feet up. Absolutely. Absolutely. Except with the, with the exception for me, you're, you're much more of a soaring tenor than I am, but I think there was an A flat or B flat that Matt snuck in there. I was like, Oh, really? You're going to put that one in the final two phrases. <laughs> am I remembering that's that? Right, that's right. That's right. A big old, I was like, Oh, just, you know, just, just almost there. Let me hang in there. <laughs> it, it was not easy even for me. It was because you've gone through screaming mm -hmm. and yelling and cursing and, Blah, blah, blah. You know, and every theater is dusty. I don't care where you are. They're all freaking dusty. And, you know, I was riding on the floor and whatever else and probably, you know, would have killed for a drop of moisture. It was always a struggle. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, um, that's interesting because that that drop of uh, just love, we'll call it for me, came when Flo walked over. It was, uh, I think, right before that tune, and she just, just drinks you in with so much love and support and kindness, and then you go off to land that final number. It was just, just so beautiful. Do you I, remember I the remember the scarf that she was knitting the entire time? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's smart, right? Like you learn you, you, the more experience you get as an actor. It's like it's. Give me a toothpick or a pencil or a scarf. Give me something. I'm standing yeah. up here. You know, I need something to, you know, I need something to do. You uh, still have that scarf, don't you, Matt? I do have the scarf. I'm just, now I'm just like missing um, Lauren and Jackie and Shan and Grace and everybody, Eric, everybody in the room. I remember, oh my gosh, people are going to like crack open some wine and say, tell us more. I remember I couldn't get a seat to the show because it was sold out the entire run. Now, clearly that might be because there was only eight seats in the theater. I don't know. <laughs> well, it extended, I think, as well. There. Yeah, but I had to climb up into the spotlight um, area and sit with the spotlights every night because um, there wasn't a seat. Um, and I'll never forget the last, the closing night, Eric Schaefer had this little itty bitty bottle of champagne for me waiting for up, up there while I was going to go sit. And I was like, oh, <laughs> but it felt so cool to not be in the audience, but actually be behind the audience. And I used to love, I don't know what this is, Dan. I don't know what I'm, I'm crazy, but I used to love just hearing people's comments, whether they were even good or bad. But I remember one night I was outside watching people leave. No one knew that I was the composer. Um, and this one woman said, well, go ahead and say it, Eunice. You hated the show. Well, happy birthday. Oh, no. <laughs> and then they kind of left. Then one night I was sitting in the theater and I heard this couple in front of me. The lights ended, uh, the show ended. Everyone started to leave. And this couple just sat there. And they wouldn't move. They were just enthralled. And the woman said, that was better than the light in the piazza. <laughs> and her husband turns to her and, and he said, did we see the light in the piazza? <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I just love all the comments because, you know, Nevermore was a very, uh, not a choir taste, but it was, you know, non-traditional kind of. I will say that there have been since a lot of shows that remind me of Nevermore, but at the time, 
there wasn't a show out there that I could name that was like it. And that's, uh, it's just, you know, the, the way that it kind of went in and out of time and space and just kind of floated like some kind of tone p- opera with, you know, recit poetry and- Who's called tone poems? I don't know what the heck they're called. They're, you know, something pretentious, but I loved, <laughs> I just know, I, it's, I, this sounds like the biggest stereotypical thing, but my favorite music on the planet is the music my husband writes. It's just whatever he puts out there, you know, is just my favorite thing to listen to. And I think for the first time seeing his music in a theatrical setting with all these amazing performers and lights and set and it just, I was addicted to it. I, I just could not get enough of it. And my God, that cast just so powerful. Um, and such a delight to watch that journey every time I was lucky enough to, you know, sneak in somehow. So, yeah, that's, that's well, just we've my... all, we've all, all three of us have been a part of shows that have been, you know, done by other people. But isn't and... it weird that that one is like a cult almost? It's like the, the people who do it. Yeah, it becomes this huge family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Dan, what is coming up for uh, you in Michigan? Uh, are you going to like start mounting? shows in the summer outside or you know we are we are to have the building ready and have a like kind of a back to broadway summer series um because we you know what we can't do is make a, a couple hundred thousand dollar invest musical um i'm not sure what the signature does probably a million million point two a show maybe maybe six hundred thousand but we a big musical for us could be a couple hundred thousand dollars. And we just can't make that investment um, until we feel pretty confident that the, the vaccines can stay ahead of the stupid, you know? So <laughs> that's a good way to put it. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, Michigan kind of blew up, I'm sure, as you know, but the numbers are, are falling pretty quickly and vaccines are available to everybody who, who wants one, you know, 16 and older. So we do have a summer series that we are, you know, targeting to our, our seniors and our, which are most of our patrons at the moment uh, with a, you know, a golden age show and a Broadway rock show and that type of thing. So seven concerts, uh, you know, one weekend each, just a hundred seats spread out, uh, masked. We have a pretty big space now. Well, the space is almost identical to... Uh, signatures. It's like 75 foot by 75 foot black box. It just happened to be the gym in this old high school and it, and it makes a perfect auditorium. You know, it's one of those old, what, what were they called? Like cafetoriums or something like that. Right. But we kind of just gutted it and or it was gutted 20 years ago and made into a black box theater. And we're taking that even further, adding a, again, I've been following signature very closely, a bit of a dress circle type mez deck, you know, where we'll add that in to grab some of the space and pretty much leave it open. And we'll do theater in the round, three-quarter thrust, little Broadway proscenium house. Um, so I've forgotten, this, this, this bourbon's starting to kick in. I'm feeling good. What was the question? <laughs> just, uh, I was just wondering. Yeah, just what was coming up. Yeah, a summer series, and then we will go into uh, – hopefully a legit season, you know, we'll open with Smokey Joe's cafe and uh, then Tony Walton, uh, who was a very famous set designer, 
costume designer. He was married to Julie Andrews. Uh, a big pot. Tony has a big pile of Tonys, and he's just so lovely. Truly, truly, uh, a national treasure. He's going to come back and uh, direct a Guys and Dolls, starring Jessica Grove, and uh, he did the sets uh, and costumes or sets for for um, uh, Nathan Lane's uh, Guys and Dolls. Oh, nice. Yeah. So, uh, and then we'll go into the next year and a few other shows. We haven't announced any of this yet, but there's two. There's two. So yes, and we'll see. I mean, uh, I I'm I have a bit of a come June seventeenth. It's people aren't going to feel all that safe. I know people are dying to get out and do something, uh, but we'll see. You know, we're only going to try and sell four hundred seats per concert, which is pretty small even for us. But I have no idea. I have no idea how people will feel. Um, I think the offering is is uh, exciting. But uh, yeah, I'm not sure how people are going to feel about coming out. We could also we could build a, a small outdoor stage. We did that last summer. Um, yeah, but we can really kind of only squeeze in 60, 70 in the parking lot area, keeping everybody. And it's not squeezed in at all. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's what I mean by squeezed in. But everyone spread out and masked up. So we'll 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 do something but it's it's a big um i'm sure you're hearing a lot of this right it's just a big game of hurry up and wait i i don't i really don't know um and i'm just getting comfortable in that space of i don't know i don't know i don't know about uh when theaters going to be opening back up i don't know about gods and witches and demons i don't know what do you think <laughs> You know, I, I, I just, I don't want to be disappointed. So I've been trying to not to really raise the bar. Um, I'm getting ready to direct an always Patsy Klein in, ah. in a park and maybe go back to teaching some camp this summer, but mm -hmm. through it all, I've been teaching 35, 35, 33, 35 weeks. I'm sorry, 33, 35 classes per week on zoom. Oh my gosh yeah it's been pretty crazy for us but um dan before you go i know i want to let you get back to your Michi michigan life um is there anything that you learned during the, the covid experience you know lots of people like learned went back to learn french and i'm going to learn how to bake bread and i'm going to learn how to fix this is there anything that you learned during covid that was fun you know i, I i've spent uh most of my learning coins on you know leadership you know i'm you know encore has to do better you know uh, most theaters do right like so I, i've really just i've been trying to keep myself open to learning learning how to be more kind and learning how to be a better leader just be a better organization and and, and uh, you know so again it's it's one of those i don't know is kind of my best friend and I'm trying to be all ears and, and, and I get that, you know, soon we have to turn this into action, but I've just been gathering information, but, but to answer that question more specifically for Jessica and I, it's been about our children. And I, I learned that, you know what, we're so busy, you know, getting them up out of bed and throw, throwing breakfast in them and, you know, get dressed and get out the door and, then we get home it's like eat your dinner get ready for bed brush your teeth we got to go 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 it's given us such a beautiful opportunity to slow down a bit 
be more present with them. Um, they're just growing so quickly. It's the old, you know, don't blank thing. So we feel super grateful. And I feel like we've learned to be a bit more present with our kids. And that's absolutely invaluable for, for us. That's, that's been the, that's been the big, the big, uh, the big note for us as parents, just, just try and be there. And, you know, the, the career is not going anywhere. The, the bills aren't going anywhere and the kids are pretty soon. They're going to be up and out and we just want to be more present as a family. What is your, what's, what's the go-to on the TV, Netflix, Disney um, channel? What, what, what's the go-to? Oh, you know, oddly enough, uh, other parents don't judge, you know, Gavin and Lolly and I watched Cobra Kai and it has lots of bad words and stuff, but there, you know, Gavin's a little karate kid and he takes dance as well, but uh, we've loved Cobra Kai, but, but the big one for Jess and I was um, uh, Ted Lasso. Wait, you're the second person that said that we should watch that. It's absolutely brilliant. And it's that classic, like, uh, I think it's Jack Nicholson's line in a film somewhere where it's just like, you make me want to be a better person. I mean, it, it really just made us want to be better people. That that series was so, so fun, so powerful, so full of, you know, maybe even cheesy, but it was just it was just so we absolutely loved it. I, I, I literally, I'll leave it with that. It made me want to be a better person, you know. And I don't often walk away from series feeling that way. It's it's fantastic. Wow. Well, to wrap things up tonight, and first of all, I mean, we love you so much. So much love to the family and Jessica, and <clears throat> blessings for the new um, endeavors with Encore. Um. I'm producing an album right now with Susan Derry and it is called I Wish It So. And so Stephen, what? I, I Wish It Show? You just said I, I Wish It Shit, shit Show. I, I wish I was a shit, I was a shit show. <laughs> he has not had a drop to drink, so it's not that. Um, <laughs> anyways, we have, Stephen made a wish box and um, Stephen's been asking everyone to put wishes in it. So Stephen, take it away. Sure. Uh, I just have been asking folks, like if you had one thing to wish for in the world, you know, whether it's for yourself, your family, the world, the theatrical community, whatever it may be, if you had one wish right now and it could be granted, what would the wish be? You know, I, I love this concept of, well, first of all, I love you, Matt. I love you, Stephen. Thank you for that. That's very kind and, and, I just love you guys so much. This has been such a joy. My wish, um, it, it's allowing, you know, I wish we all, so it's for me and it's for everybody and it's for artists and, and, and not, but it just, just allowing, you know, I wish we would all just allow to be who they are, uh, you know, think what they think, feel what they feel. And, and this isn't to say that we, you know, tolerate, you know, stupid or bigotry, but this is, this is like, oh, well, you know, you shouldn't feel that way, or, you know, you, you should feel that way, or you should think this, or I think we do a lot of this, you know, and it's well-meaning, but I think allowing, and if we can just allow each other to, to have the time and the space to figure it out in our own time, I think, I think it'd be, 
a little easier going. That's beautiful. Yes, that's that's definitely been the theme that we've been hearing from people on the show um, in various other, you know, words. But it's it's the common uh, tone of the universe right now, I guess. Yep. And just a reminder, if anyone that's listening wants to help out. Uh, what is the website or how do we find you again, Dan, to maybe uh, throw 20, <clears throat> 20 and a couple of other zeros behind that to you? Yeah, theencoretheater.org um, in Dexter, Michigan. Thank you so much. It's very kind of you. No problem. Well, we love you, Dan. And yes, call us for anything. Don't be a stranger. Yes, I love you. Let's work together. Let's do something fun. Yeah, I'm now recharged by this Nevermore thing. I can already see the costumes. <laughs> yes. And we have a boat. We have a little boat here in Michigan. So come on out and let's spend a weekend together and talk oh, about I, a, a project of some sort. <laughs> I love that. All right, friend. Well, you have a good night. You as well. Thanks so much. This is so much fun. I really appreciate your time. We appreciate you. Bye. Bye-bye. So great catching up with Dan Cooney. Oh, I love Dan. He's such a sweet guy. Yeah, I you know, I didn't want to make it so much about Nevermore, but it's hard not to talk about Nevermore. But, you know, that was one of those windows in my life and, of course, your life that, well, nothing really compares to those moments, uh, as we know as writers, that those firsts. That was your first baby. Yeah. and She's been all around the world? Yep. And that's 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 an indelible mark that you guys all created together. So yeah, um, happy to be a, a, a tiny part of it. Um, but yeah, we love you, Dan, and all the best. Don't be a stranger. We've got your number. You've got ours. Um, all right. So tomorrow on the show, uh, we have a friend and acquaintance of mine, uh, Sushmita Mazumdar, and she is uh, an artist. Um, that has done a few projects. Um, one was centered around Columbia Pike's uh, diverse restaurants. I work for ColumbiaPike.org during the day, and there's a project called Recipes for You in which she interviewed uh, different international restaurants and wanted to know their story um, and then get a recipe from them. And that's when I first came in contact with her. And there's been some other stuff, and we'll learn about all that tomorrow. Um, and it's going to be fascinating. I love our, you know, branching out into other kinds of art, visual art, dance, whatever. Um, so all of that will come tomorrow, as we always say. Turn, turn your, your heart, heart into, into art. art. Good night, everybody. Good night.